Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we've got Mr. Stefano Gatto is our special guest with the smooth, silky voice of a musician and the wits and the expertise of a real estate entrepreneur who's starting to get focused on multifamily properties, if I'm not mistaken. So, Stefan, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Great to be here, Dave. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. See, I told you guys, you, you hear that smooth, silky voice there? I'm jealous. I'm jealous, man. <laughs> I've got such a mon monotone. It's not even funny. I was the only guy in my private school that, that I went to, a uh, very small school I went to, that got kicked out of the choir because my voice sucked so bad. <laughs> they were desperate for people to be yeah. in the choir. Choir. I was kicked out once I hit puberty because the voice just went to crap. But anyhow, I digress. I mean, look at you now. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Talking for a living. Who would have thought? So, hey, Stefan, tell us a little bit about your where, where you're based and, and what kind of real estate investing you're doing and how you got into this whole wild and wonky world. Yeah, great question. Um, I mean, so right now I'm currently based out of London, Ontario. Um, I started investing in real estate, uh, September of 2019 was my official, uh, property that we closed in. Um, ah, nice. yeah, prior to that, like, um, I came to London, Ontario for, uh, for school actually. So I finished my bachelor's here at Western. Um, and while I was in my third year of university, that's, I was working as a bank teller, um, for, for TD for quite some time. And that's where I got to see some of those refi checks or, you know, people, um. uh, especially on that side. Um, and that got me sort of intrigued, especially with um, one client who came in and did a commercial refi and, and that was a six figure check. And I was like, oh my goodness, how do I, how do I, how do I, <laughs> how do I get on the other side of the, of the counter here and start cashing some of these checks instead of giving them to people? Exactly. Right. And, and that's, that's where before this client left, he was like, Hey Steph, you know, just check out real estate, check out commercial real estate. And it just so happened uh, around that time that OREC was going on, OREC 2019. Um, so I had signed up for that conference and went there thinking it was some sort of Dragon's Den style of, of, of event where you pitch your deal and people throw money at you, but it was completely different. And it was more of networking and coaching. And that's where I met like, you know, people like Matt McKeever, uh, Corey, uh, Jeff Weibel, like these guys were very uh, heavily involved in the London real estate market. Yeah. And um, so that was May 2019. And then September, that's where after signing up for a coaching program with Corey McKinnon, um, mm -hmm. I acquired my first student rental um, through uh, creative financing. So that was a 93% VTB. That was like a crazy deal. And that um, sort of got me motivated to like, how can I replicate this? How can I do right. You know, how can someone who was, you know, a university student be able to control such an asset? Right. Yeah. Um, so you were, you were still in school at that time. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so Just out of curiosity, what was your major? Uh, financial modeling. Uh, and applied mathematical methods. Oh, geez, you're one of those smart guys. <laughs> I just love numbers. <laughs> I've been told they don't lie. So, <laughs> oh, that is good. Well, okay. Hey, there's something that you learned in school that applies to what you're doing today. That's so much better than most of the rest of us that wasted uh, four years in university. Well, or were wasted through four years of university. I'm not sure which way, but either way, <laughs> I'm glad you're making good use of that. Okay. So you yeah. got that first student rental on the go. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. That really gave you proof of concept with the whole real estate thing. Where has it gone since then? Exactly. So shortly after that first one, uh, you know, I realized how does, you know, someone in school kind of scale up and that's where OPM and realizing joint venture partners is really 
the key way to scale up my portfolio, but also mitigate risk as someone who's starting up very early. So that's mm-hmm. where um, my second property, which is the one I'm in currently, um, was a duplex uh, that we added a third unit too so we kind of made that triplex but that was one where we joint ventured with a partner who brought in the mortgage um the down payment closing costs and we were just the operating partner and we went 50 50 on that deal nice yeah so that was the second property that was november of the same year um and then the next year that's where we saw the market taken up um because at this point this is you know going into you know 2020 right and that's when flipping uh, was right on my radar. I was like, okay, like um, rentals are nice, but I really want that, you know, quick turnaround of capital, that velocity of money, but also at the same time, I don't like the headache of tenants. Okay. Yeah. You're starting, you're starting to start to get some experience dealing with tenants and toilets, especially with the student rental type thing. I would imagine there might've been a few hiccups and challenges with that. Okay. So you decided to give a, give flipping a, a, a try. How did that go? Uh, so that, you know, we thought we were geniuses back in 2020. Everybody was. <laughs> as, as, <laughs> you didn't even have to repair anything. Just buy it, hold on to it for six months and sell it again. And you made exactly. tons of cash. Yeah. Right. So so on on one of our, our early deals, we had gotten into a burr situation, but um, and it was fully our JV partners financed it with all cash, uh, which was exciting to not have that mortgage payment and a lot more cash flow. But um, when the market went up, they're like, we want to execute a sell. So we want you guys to quickly renovate it and flip it to the market. And when we did that early 2020, um, I think we bought the property and made around a 40, 50K profit on top of returning the investor capital plus a 20% return on their side. Mm-hmm. Right? So they're ec- ec- ecstatic. And that's where we're like, okay, let's keep on with this flipping business. And in 2020, uh, we tackled around five or six flips, Nice, um, which was very nice, but also very hectic because I realized yeah. systems are really what your business comes down. There, to. There's nothing passive about flipping, is there? No, it's 1000% active. And <laughs> as, as my mentors have told me in the past, it's sometimes a more complicated strategy because it's all uh, cash management, people management mm-hmm. from the get-go and you're sort of burning money up until the point, you know, you get that closing date figured out with this, you know, with the buyer. Plus, if you're doing you're doing that in the middle of the pandemic, there are all sorts of supply chain disruptions and the costs of building materials skyrocketed and, you know, manpower skyrocketed and was very hard to come by. I imagine you went through a lot of challenges at that point. Exactly right. And so, you know, as a fairly new investor, having to navigate all of that and still, you know, be fiduciary, you know, like I'm an accountable to, to all my investors, first and foremost. And, you know, kind of getting through that phase in the August of that same year, we're like, okay, flipping has been nice, but it's not as, you know, uh, you know, from a risk perspective, it's not as safe if you're taking on private mortgages, things like that. And the project goes two, three months Mm -hmm. overboard, that can essentially just eat into your profit and your returns right off the bat, right? So um, that's where we were gearing towards multifamily and Airbnb. That's where we got keen into into that. And we're like, why did we not start this from? <laughs> why did we not do this from the very beginning? Well, hey, you know, live and learn. And, and you did a lot in a short yeah. period of time and and lived to tell the tale. Uh, some people, you know, that's the challenge with flipping. If if the market turns on you, it yeah. can be ugly, ugly, ugly. Um, not just flipping, but uh, all of these what do I call it? Riskier appreciation based 
uh, strategies. So flipping is one of them. It's kind of forced depreciation, but you're you're counting on the market continuing to go up. Uh, exactly. Pre pre construction condos are another big one. I, I can remember a, yeah. an acquaintance of mine was hot to trot with this. He was just another genius because you know he was getting people. He was buying all these pre construction condos in around the GTA when it was hot, 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 and everybody was flipping the paper and making big bucks until that round to a stop not that long ago. Now that's a dangerous place to be in. So I'm glad to hear that you kind of switched gears and, and getting into more of a long-term buy and hold type strategy. Exactly. And and now uh, fast forward. So that was 2020 to 2021. Then from 21 to 2022, we did uh, 10 flips. So we, we were still going with flipping. And it was only until last year when uh, we saw days on market just jump up to 30, 45 days uh, just to, to get property sold. And we're like, okay, on the flips, we can pivot on. Let's turn those into rentals to float as quickly as possible. And the ones yeah. we can't let go at cost and just break even, let's kind of, you know, take out the bad eggs in, in the portfolio. Let, let's take our licks and and regroup and yes. reposition ourselves. Smart. All right. So how many properties did you end up keeping from from those 10? Yeah. So as of this year, uh, we just have, we're down to four. Right? Okay. Yeah. And that's more manageable in terms of, you know, like uh, still getting, you know, cash flow to sustain things, but also, you know, some capital out there that we can quickly jump on deals and, you know, either syndicate or partner up and still be flexible. Yeah. Okay. So have you done any multifamily property deals at yet, Stefan? What does what that look yes. like? Yeah, so I'm going through my first one actually uh, as nice. I speak. Uh, it's a yeah, 21 unit building out uh, in Lindsay, Ontario. So uh, that is very exciting, and just because congratulations, the, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely on the commercial side. The fact that it's all based off of the business, the numbers. Uh, the, uh, that's something that I just 1,000% prefer, and it's more predictable. There's a lot more control. Um, and it, it, it's something I'm like, once again, why would I never attune to this from the jump? Because I feel mm -hmm. like I, I could have gone, um, quicker, but also I think things also happen to reason to build. Up I think to so. That, right. Yeah. You, you know, you know what your preference is, you know, what the other side's like, you understand the, the stress involved with doing those kind of flips. And what I think you're going to find Stefan is, you know, multifamily is a much slower game. It's, yeah. it's definitely a long-term type thing typically. Um, but that's going to allow you to slow down and really kind of maximize all of the different profit centers in a deal. Because the challenge I see with flipping, the reason I've never been a big fan of it, first of all, I'm handy as a foot. So I'd be, you know, I wouldn't know the first thing about doing anything myself. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing is, you're you're really only making money in a couple of ways from doing a flip. You're you, you got to get it at a smoking deal typically. So the instant equity and then the forced depreciation, that's about it. There's you're you're missing out on cash flow. There's no cash flow in a flip. You're missing out on, you know, the the long-term appreciation in the deal. You're missing out on mortgage pay down. You're missing out on depreciation, you're miss, missing out on leverage, all of these different things that you get to take advantage of when you're getting into multifamily. So what excites you the most about this transition? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, I think what excites me most is definitely the uh, the control aspect. So, mm. um, and 
uh, the scale aspect would be a close second in that. Yeah. Um, obviously, like let's say in like a duplex or a triplex, if one tenant stops paying, that represents a large percentage of your of your unit. But if you're multiplying that on 20, 30, 40, 100 units, that represents a smaller percentage. So from a risk perspective, um, it's it comes off as much lower because of, of that scale. The economies yeah. of scale kind of buffers that. Um, and on the control side, just the fact that um, if, because it is based off of the numbers, income and expenses, you can go in there and quickly figure out, is this uh, under rented just based off of, you know, comps, markets and things like that? Um, expenses are these overstated are there ways we can flip the expenses back to, to the tenants and do um, kind of operational tactics to squeeze more out of the deal mm -hmm. right and you kind of see it also the profits compound because of that scale again so yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense so you're you're working on this 21 unit how far away is it from where you're located uh, so Lindsay, it's about uh, two and a half hours from where I'm, I'm looking. Okay. So it's going to be a long distance type thing. What, what are you guys planning to do for management? Great question. Yeah. So uh, we're looking to place a property manager. Uh, and this is uh, one who we've already tested him out on a project managing sort of um, a, a reno and our first Airbnb rental this year. And so looking to pivot and transition him to managing that. Uh, so they're going to be a live-in manager on site on the property. Is that what I'm understanding? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, just to have that headache sort of already passed on and, and not getting phone calls about toilets, you know, at, at yeah. 12 <laughs> at night. <so. laughs> Hopefully they're Andy kind of person. They can take care of a lot of that stuff themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So thank God they're master carpenter and they've worked on rentals before. Mm -hmm. So it just aids with that ease of mind. And that's been the other thing in terms of realizing when I can't do something, I'm always asking how about this time? It's just, who is it? Who can it solve mm -hmm. this for me? It's more masking who, who not how. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's a fantastic yeah. book. Mr. Mm -hmm. Dan Sullivan, who was, uh, was part of that uh, strategic coach community for, uh, for some time. So yeah, that's a wonderful, wonderful concept to, yeah. to embrace. That's for sure. Um, I would highly recommend, Stefan, that you have a plan B for management as well. I'm not sure how big that community is. Uh, probably not all that big because I don't think I've heard of it before. What's the what's the population size of that of that community? Uh, Lindsay, uh, it's it's about I believe like uh, thirty six thousand. But like okay, um, well it's a decent sized town yeah, then. So so they probably do have a few different property management companies there. I would highly recommend that you you know don't hire them right out, but get familiar with them start that relationship just in case your guy flakes out or something happens and, and, and they don't work out. Right. So it's always good to have that plan B. You sound like you're a very structured uh, plan B plan C plan D kind of person. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, the, the real estate industry makes you be like that. And uh, if you manage any project with contractors, you have to have. That well, and, and it, you're a numbers guy, right? I mean, you, yeah. you majored in this kind of stuff. And, and I just find that, analytical type people tend to be very good planners and, and have all their ducks in a row. So that's a, yeah. definitely a strength that you bring to the table. Hey man, let's talk a little bit about the whole capital side of things. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you started working with joint venture partners early on in, yeah. in your whole investing career. Now as a bright eyed, bushy tailed young fella, how did you get people to take you seriously and invest with you? Yeah, uh, that's that's a great question. Um, so I definitely did leverage the fact that my educational background is more quantitative than anything. 
So mm-hmm. the fact that um before, like essentially even our first deal, I we bought it pretty much sight unseen because I did the numbers on a spreadsheet. I was like, it meets the 1% rule. It's cash flowing this and we can negotiate a vendor take back at a ideal yeah, rate. That's a no brainer. <laughs> it's yeah. a no brainer, right? <laughs> yeah. So so like um being able to leverage the quantitative side, but then when it actually came to convincing them to give me their capital, it was looking at um, what is the value I'm offering outside of just bringing the deal in? And mm-hmm. that was also my time, you know, so, you know, it's either time, treasure or your talent, right? So mm-hmm. I was on top of my talent, uh, I was offering my time and that was the aspect where most of my investors didn't have that time. So one of our early investors um, uh, is a physician out in Toronto and who has nice. six or seven practices. And, you know, he wishes he's, that he got into real estate very early, but, you know, he's too busy with his practices. So now he's like, let me put out $200,000 to rent, to lend out to you through uh, Olympia Trust or through his RRSP. Or so how did, how did you even start that conversation with this guy? Uh, <laughs> through an email, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. what was, what was your connection originally? Like, was he your doctor or how did you, how did you spark? Yeah, just through Facebook groups, actually. So like, uh, we would go on these. So and that was a strategy very early is we'd go on these uh, Facebook and investor groups and try. Sorry, sorry, when we say we is it the Royal we just you or are you working uh, with myself and uh, I brought on a business partner to help me out very early on. Uh, Yeah, his name is Basil and he's helps out on the operational side. So I can focus on more of this aspect of the business. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. So um, on that side, like convincing him, first of all, was finding where is this contact located and what groups are they associated with? So early on, we realized we got to leverage Facebook because that's where most investor contacts happen. That's where people mm-hmm. post deals. So we signed up on a bunch of groups and, you know, quickly started parsing through who are the ones who are open to lending or, you know, uh, say they've got some capital that they're looking to put to work. So uh, we reached out to him and we had put just together a financing package that summarized, hey, this is the amount we're looking for. This is the guaranteed amount of uh, funds. Or, you know, it's going to be secured against the property and we just need it for a six month term. And we've done this before. So, you know, um, the track record for that one, because we had done one or two deals prior, also gave us that leverage because, you know, we're, we're young guys. So it's very hard for people to toss that trust unless they're like, have you done this before? Is this something right, of course. with? Right, yeah. So how about those first couple of deals? How, who, who invested with you on those? Yeah. So those are uh family or friends, right? So um, like, for example, the first early deal was uh, my current business partner, Basil. He was my colleague at the bank at the time. And okay. he kind of saw what I was doing with wholesale and trying to get deals under contract. And he's like, Hey, Steph, I, I don't know what you're doing, but I just want to be a part of it. Tell me what nice. you need. And I was like, I, I need capital. <laughs> right? I need some money, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 Tough money. I mean, right. So um, that's where he's like, okay, you know, let's, let's get on one deal. And then the second deal we were able to leverage. So he, he brought the capital to the table. He was your investor in that deal. Exactly. He was nice. on that first nice. deal. So, uh, that was the 93% VTV. Um, he put in the down payment plus closing costs, plus, um, some funds for rehab. Cause it was just cosmetic. Yeah. Uh, and that just got us in, into that. Nice. Right? Nice. And then the second one was, was uh, his sister, actually, that got us mm. into that one. And that's the one I'm currently in our duplex. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, and that was an easier conversation because she had seen what we'd done with the first one mm-hmm. and how creative that was and thought that this one. Yeah, a little proof of concept. Exactly. Good for you, man. That That is yeah. awesome. Okay. So now that you're getting into bigger and better and sexier deals and you're raising more capital, what are you finding that's working best for you? 
for connecting with investors? Yes, um, definitely presence matters and relevance matters a lot more uh, this year, I find. So early on, you know, when I was so focused on working in the business rather than working on the business, I sort of would be narrow-minded and forget that, you know, the other part of net worth is that net network building, mm-hmm. right? So um, these days going out to certain uh, real estate investor networks, whether it's like Wealth Genius, whether it's Rain or uh, or Onria, or the, there, there's so many all over Ontario that, you know, you kind of got to be a, um, a presence there so that people can also see you as uh, someone who is of authority in this industry. So uh, have a presence there. What does that mean? What, how do you create that presence in these groups? Yeah. So signing up to the events, either, you know, through uh, Eventbrite when they come up and making a point to go there as well as go there with intention. So typically I would uh, do some background research on who are the members who are going to be there, who are the four or five people I want to talk to, right? So that ahead of time, um, I'm not going there to, to waste time. I'm going there to spark some conversation. Smart, smart. Right? And yeah. that really helps out a lot. Um, but then once that networking phase is done, what matters even more is the follow-up, like okay. the calls, checking in, hey, hey, Dave, what, what deals are you up to? What problems are you facing today? Um, so that as you talk to more and more people, you stumble onto these connections. And um, I realize it's just a matter of time where someone I've spoken to has something that someone else is looking for and mm-hmm. I make the match, right? And problem solving more of that way in, in connecting people that has and, been and building goodwill. Yeah, exactly. Right. And mm-hmm. so people now uh, have that idea that, Hey, I can always go to Steph for help because he's helped these people. I've, I've, I've heard this reputation for him. So it's like, I, I already trust that. And when it then comes to a deal that we're presenting to them, once we've gotten it off market under contract, they already know that, okay, we've, we've built that track record and reputation and that authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very smart. Well, Steph, you're you're doing you're doing great things. Congratulations on all that you've accomplished in a small period of time. Time flies when we're having fun, my friend. So, if people want to get more Steph Ogato, how do they do that? What's what's yeah, the best way for them to go? So, uh, best ways are Instagram, ideally. So, uh, my cap my company is Capstone C A P S T O N E underscore Invests. Uh, plural. Um, that is where we showcase all of our flips, active deals. Um, but personally, on my Instagram as well, it's ogato, O-G-A-T-O dot Stefan, S-T-E-F-F-A-N. Uh, and yeah, feel free to you know reach out and, and connect through there. That's where I'm really uh, active as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, keep up the good work. And I can't, uh, I, I can't wait to interview you again in a couple of years and see where you're at. Thank you, Dave. I, I'm looking forward to it. And it's a pleasure and an honor to, to be here and talk in real estate. We can talk real estate all day, I feel. Definitely yeah. could. All right. Thanks a lot, Seven, and everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you on the next episode.